Hey, thanks for joining us here on the House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about the house, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the house app. Maturity. Let's just talk about... I, th- I think that in our culture, if, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll delude the concept of why you're coming. Well, I, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I'm coming because I was raised in church. I'm coming because my marriage is in trouble. I'm coming because I want my kids to turn out good. I'm coming because we're facing some financial struggles right now and we really need, uh, man, I need some help. And I, I would say that all of those are, are reasons, but I, I would challenge you to actually go deeper and aim higher than those because those are actually surface. And if you're not careful, you will come to church for fleshly reasons, but you will never really spiritually mature into all that God has for you. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is there is actually, um, there is actually a deeper reason why you're here. What if I could tell you that you could actually enjoy life? Like really enjoy it. Not like enjoy it when you go on vacation or enjoy it when something good happens or enjoy it when you get a bonus. But even in the midst of all of the hard days, you can enjoy life. Paul is writing the book of Ephesians and he is challenging, uh, Philippians, not Ephesians. Uh, Thank you. Uh, listen, we're the church that your wife will correct you from the first row. Uh, so I'm just saying, I'm just telling you. Uh, uh, there are so many things I want to say right now, but uh, I tell you all the time when I'm in, when I'm up front, let me look like I'm in charge. Ah, ah. she can't help it. I meant Philippians. Uh, people, it's funny. Uh, people, uh, it's funny how people come after communicators about saying the wrong thing. Um, have you ever seen a carpenter's hands? You know what I'm saying? I mean, a carpenter, sometimes they're like, how you doing? <laughs> I mean, I'm not... Uh, I'm like, we all mess up in our profession. (laughs) Uh, uh, What are we talking about? What do y'all want to talk about? Uh, Here's the thing is we are in this Philippians study and we are going through uh, this summer Philippians because Paul is challenging the church that you can actually walk in, demonstrate, project, unspeakable joy and unshakable confidence. We we actually want you to be believers that even when life isn't going good, something good is still coming from you. Now, Paul wrote this when he was in jail. This, this man's incarcerated. He is uh, writing this letter to a church that he's not even in really relationship with because of distance. But he is educating, training, and developing the body of Christ. And he's actually challenging us 
as a church to mature. To mature. The recipe for enjoying your life is spiritual maturity. It's not getting what you want. Well, I, if, when I get what I want, then I'm happy. No, no, no. I mean, let's, let's think about this. The, the, the truth is, when we think about children, if we give them what they want, meaning what they crave, we will actually produce adults that don't like what we gave them, but they didn't have any knowledge that it really wasn't good for them. No five-year-old's thinking about high blood pressure. No five-year-old's thinking about their thyroid. They're not thinking about their sugar intake. intake. No, no five-year-old is, is thinking about cholesterol. And so if we always give a child what they crave, then we will actually produce in the future, come on, about 35, they're going to start Googling or whatever's next. And we're talking to that AI robot. <laughs> and they're going to be critical of you because you gave them red dye in their cereal. And you were like, my bad. I grew up on it. <laughs> it's kind of tasty. Here's my point. Is no one is born spiritually mature. Nobody is born spiritually mature. In fact, we are all born into sin, and because of that, we are all self-centered. Come on, we want to be first, and we love us some me. Come on, the theme music is me, me, me. Come on, the attitude is me, me, me. Our pledge of allegiance to ourself is me, 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 me. And I think that if we're not careful, the church body will be confused. And because of that confusion, listen, believers have been stuck in immaturity. Now we have politically motivated and, and, and now you can't even talk about certain things that are biblical issues because it is deemed as political issues and the reason the church is divided over some political issues is because they don't have a biblical context and, and the idea is when culture invades the territory come on somebody of the word of God then it is the believers that have to say hey come on but because we know more culture than we know Bible, we absolutely think that life, male and female, things are political when we have an enemy, come on somebody, that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Think about what we were battling as a culture 30 years ago, and it's only progressing because the enemy wants to destroy every structure and break every concept that has God's order in the world. And so here's the concept. We have got to be a church that loves baby believers, but we are maturing godly adults. Let's talk about it. 
And I'm not against babies. I, 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 we do outreach. We do stuff. We do evangelism. We, we do, I, I want you to be saved. In this last service, we had eight people raise their hand, give their life to the Lord. Man, they're, they're babies. Come on. And, and, and that's okay. Come on. The, the indicator that there's life in the room is that there's reproduction. And so babies are actually a, an awesome thing. So I'm not coming after people in the baby stage, but I am challenging believers who have been in the baby stage for 40 years. Attendance doesn't equal spiritual maturity. Listen, for us... The church, its job isn't to write songs about how much we love Jesus. Let's talk. The purpose of the church isn't, it wasn't established so we would write songs about how much we love Jesus. It wasn't established because the church over the last 20 years have, has adopted this doctrine where the church should be a place that the unchurched and the de-churched want to come. So we're going to reduce truth and we're going to make it like a little bit more attractive than the bar. And our focus is going to be to entertain you but not equip you. Um, the, the, the purpose of the church is experience. All we need is another move and a wave and a wind and a cloud and a... The purpose of the church isn't the three C's, community, comfort, and care. I just want to go to a church that's going to focus on me. I'm not saying that all of these are bad. You hear what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that you won't find parts of these in every body. But we have to go back to the reason of why the church was established. And the church was established as part of the five-fold ministry to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And the goal of the church and the reason why you come is not a moral lesson. It is a spiritual transformation. Come on. The purpose of the church is to challenge the way you think, to challenge the way you talk, to challenge the way you act, to help you move from flesh, come on somebody, to spirit, to help you not act the way you want to act. Come on. I'm not trying to be 40 years and still give everybody a good cussing and then scream grace. I'm actually trying to mature this thing. And can I, don't get it twisted. Listen, babies aren't because of uh, our culture. Paul was talking about spiritual infants back in the day. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4 says this. Paul is writing this. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. Okay? Brothers, in other words, hey fam, Hey, committed. Hey, fam. I can't even. I can't even give you spiritual concepts. And here's why. Look at this. But as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk and not in solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you're still not ready. In other words, you're still of the flesh. What? 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 What is this? 
mean? For let's just I'll finish this. For there, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh, behaving only in human ways? In other words, are we just gathering so we can all be human? Are we gathering so we can all get transformed? Why are we coming together? And, and here's the thing is it's imperative for the church to move from a give me mindset to a growth mindset. And that is the challenge that all believers must face because there's a reason why he called them infants and fleshly. Think about this. Flesh is cravings, desires, urges, attractions, desires. And so are we supposed to have a community where, you know what, we're all run by the flesh. And so, hey, what's up? I want to sleep with you and I want to hang out with you and I want to drink with you and I want to, hey, we're just, this is a big community. Unless I, hey, I'm my people. Or are we supposed to come in and recognize our flesh and give that over to the Lord and really have a renewed mind and no longer let our flesh, come on, move our desires where I, I, I pick this church because they, 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 they meet my need and I pick this and I pick this. Think about an infant. See, Jesus talked about being a child, but he said, come to me like a child. He didn't say act childish. A child is naive and they believe, come on, the adult in the room. If the adult has not harmed them, if the adult has not hurt them, then they begin to believe the adult. Hey, did you know X, Y, Z? God, Jesus is like, when I say something, I just need you to believe me. Stop challenging everything that's said. Stop thinking of so deep. Stop thinking of all the hurts and through the context of all the things and just be a, come to me like a child and believe me and believe that I am good and I'm a rewarder of those who seek me diligently. Come on. Come on. Come on. I can tell that you're thinking. Thank you. I actually want you to think in church. I do. I want you to use that muscle. And, and I'm, I'm praying that there's a conflict between your flesh that the Bible is actually able to wash us and we're able to think differently. So, so here's, what, here's what this means is Paul was saying infant. Well, what is an infant? An infant is dependent. Could it be that our relationships aren't thriving because we're dependent on everybody else to make us happy? Could it be that we're not growing in our career because we're dependent on the fact that we're, our boss isn't noticing us? See, most people live life and they're navigating through life, but they have all of these contingencies for happiness. But God is saying, if you will focus on me, come on, I will be your source of strength and you will walk through all of these unpleasantries, but you will still keep your joy and you will be unshakable. Think about an, an, an infant is uh, they have no self-control. They... They cry when people are tired. They, they, we love them, but come on, it's work. It's work. You got a couple babies in the crib, you're like, oh, come on, you're not getting no sleep. 
You know, they're not like, I'm going to go to the bathroom later. I want to prefer you. And, then, and so here's the thing. I'm, I'm saying this for a reason. Be careful about judging harshly believers because you have no idea if they're infants. And infants, listen, infants cause a mess. And God said that there would be spiritual babies in church. And if you are irritated by a believer that you believe to be an infant, that should give you more tenacity to want to mature yourself. Well, they're a Christian. I can't believe they acted like way. Just start singing in your head, babe, babe, babe. <clears throat> I was choking. I was choking. Come on, just, just get in in your head. Oh, I can't believe they acted like that. They posted a Bible verse on their Facebook yesterday, and then they acted like this with me, babe, babe. I mean, I mean have you ever taught your child to say thank you and they did it one time and the next five times they didn't? We got to begin to help people realize that we're growing, we're growing. Our hope is that you have an encounter with God and that the Holy Spirit is able to minister to your soul. Paul challenges us over the last couple of weeks that he wants to be like Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, 13 through 15. I want you to get a hold of this because Paul gives us five thoughts that spiritually mature believers think. Five thoughts. Look at this. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but the one thing I do is I forget what lies behind. Okay, look at this. And strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on for the goal, for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature, everybody say mature. Come on, one more time, mature. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Well, you can't tell me what to think. How dare you? Those are my thoughts. And I'm able to think my whatever thought I want. You are. Because God gave you a free will. You can do whatever you want. You can think whatever you want. But if you want to spiritually mature, you cannot spiritually mature and, and think, come on, the way you want. There are actually, come on, the that's process that God is moving us all in. And he is saying, if you want to mature, there's a certain way you have to think. And that's a challenge for the church because the church doesn't really want to change their thoughts. They want to feel new expressions. Come on, let's look at this. Look at this. Come on. I press, 14, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any, and if in anything, you think otherwise. In other words, if you don't think this way, God will reveal it to you. In other words, we are praying for you that you would come to the understanding and that you would have the illumination, come on, in your eyes and your ears, that you would begin to change the way you think. I need you to know that life gets better when you surrender. It gets healthier 
in the journey. Paul, in a few of his letters, uses this idea of running a race. And I just need you to know that you are running for something, to something, to somewhere. You're not just running aimlessly. And I want to give you five ways that I think that our body could mature if, uh, if we apply this. Here's the first one. We talked about it last week. You got to forget what lies behind. There are some things in your past. There are some good things. There are some bad things. There are some successes. There is some failures. There are some maturities. There are some wins, moments with God, expressions, Holy Spirit moments, and all of those are awesome. But Paul says that I am moving forward and I am not living backward. Maturity. Here's the second one. Strain forward to what lies ahead. I don't know where we came to the idea that when we asked Jesus to come into our life, that the church and our relationship with Jesus should be like the Disney Channel. But Paul lets us know there are days I strain. In other words, there's days I don't want to do, but I do what I don't want to do because I know where I want to be. And I have to strain at some stuff. I have to strain. I don't know why I don't like praying. Strain. I don't know why I don't want to worship. Strain. I don't, I don't know why I didn't want to get up and go to church today. Strain. There is a portion of your faith where mature people don't choose what's easy. I get up and do what I don't want to do. I push forward. I move. I, I, I get up. Come on. If you're following the Lord because you feel like it, you're not following the Lord. You follow the Lord because you're submitted to it and you're obedient to it. And come on, you've already calculated all of the other ways and every other way into destruction. And this is the only way. Here's the third one. If you want more about those two, you can go listen to our podcast. Here's the third one. Paul says, I press toward the goal. House family, I, I need you to know that your, your running has a meaning. This isn't an eternal marathon. Paul's not on a spiritual treadmill doing a lot of work and going nowhere. Yes, the road of faith is long and hard and there are ups and downs and there are challenges but we are headed somewhere. And Paul is saying this. Basically, he, he said all that he's saying to say this. I have a reason to wake up every morning. What is your reason to wake up? I want to take care of my kids. I want to provide a better life for my kids. Aim higher. Why do you wake up? Well, because my mate would need me. Aim higher. Well, why, why do you, come on, but Paul is actually challenging and he's saying the reason that I have to wake up is because there is a goal and I want to be like Jesus and heaven is the reward, come on somebody, for me pursuing him. And so Paul lives with this discipline and determination and he is running toward the goal. The maturity factor happens when you wake up with a reason and not a fleshly one. Why do you do what you do? And, and here's the thing is, uh, I'm not talking about just brain and body improvement. I'm talking about a spiritual reason. I'm talking about a moment, come on, when it all connects and everything gets better because your soul is healing because you're running after, come on, the Lord. 
Moving from immaturity to maturity is hard. Anybody remember being 12? Anybody remember being 14? Anybody remember being 16? Anybody remember the hard reality of getting paid on Friday, spending it all on Friday night, and then having your friend call you on Saturday and you have no money? Your room's full of candy and Cokes. <laughs> Maturity. It's hard. It's hard. Come on. For us, moving from spiritual immaturity to maturity is how healing happens. God heals you along the way. God heals you along the way. Listen, there are a lot of things that the prayer line can do. There's a lot of things that can happen supernaturally, but here's the one thing that cannot happen in the prayer line. You cannot develop character in the prayer line. You have to make some choices, and those choices happen in the midst of temptation. Am I gonna respond like that? Am I gonna watch that? Am I gonna go there? Am I gonna do that? And your flesh has cravings, but here's what happens when we reduce that. Paul said, I must decrease and he must, come on, help me, increase. And that is the sign of maturity because here is how you really know you're maturing. You begin to take on more responsibility. Your life begins to influence other people. And Paul was saying, I cannot lay the burden of responsibility on you because you are still immature. You're coming because Paul's here but I want you to be coming because you're here. Come on, does this make sense? When I was a teenager, it's been a minute since I played a video game, but when I was a teenager, there was a video game that came out and it was called Contra. Anybody play Contra? Come on, come on. Y'all should have, y'all can talk in this church, it's okay. Come on, Contra was the game. And the reason that I liked Contra is because if you continued in the stages, there were these floating bubbles of health and weapons. And you didn't have to go find them like in these crazy games now where they're hidden. They were just floating around and you were like, I want some of that. <laughs> I want some of that. And, 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 uh, and the, I think the best thing about Contra was up to this point, when you died in a game, you had to start all the way over. But in Contra, you could start on the, state, on the same stage. And, and, and here's the thing that I want you to know is your relationship with God. God doesn't make you start all the way over when you fall. Here is the real Christian life. It is two steps up. One step back, get a concept, have to practice the concept. Learning, uh, applying. Go, go, oh, thank you, God, for that revelation. Dang it, I didn't have it in that moment. And, it, and it's always two steps up, one step back. And here's the idea. You don't measure your growth in days. You measure it in years. Come on, come on. We got way too many people in church discouraged that... <laughs> I've read the whole Bible and I'm not doing it yet. Tell you about that, but learning is not applying. Application takes work. You can go to a couple years of learning how to be a teacher, but then you have to actually do it. 
And every teacher that I've ever met, even though they do their internship and they connect with the school and they do a semester at school, it is their first two or three years that they cry because they had no idea that it was like this. And so for you to become spiritually mature, you're going to have to take the lesson, apply it to your life. Know that you're probably going to only apply 30 or 40%. Take a step, grow, take a step, grow, take a step. And it matures. And that's why the Bible calls it seed because it grows in you. It grows in you. I meet so many people that they process failure as final. And they won't press on toward the goal. The goal isn't revenge. It's not secrets. It's not blame shifting. The goal isn't religion. The goal is Jesus. Come on, somebody. And, and I need us to remember that you are aiming for crossing that finish line and hearing, listen, well done, good and faithful servant. There will be a moment where there will be no more pain, no more deception, no more cruelty. Come on, listen. No more sickness, no, no more death, no more devilish attacks on your life. But you're going to have to keep pressing on and moving. Come on, someone, forward. Heaven is much better. Here's the fourth one. Is you've got to hold on to what you've attained. Here's what it says, Philippians 3, 16. Only let us hold true to what we haven't attained. Attained, I wanna talk about this because Paul in the New Testament is shadowing something that God wants us to know. Every revelation that God has given you, you are responsible to keep. Not only are you responsible to keep it, but you're responsible to teach it. When God gave Adam and Eve to the garden and he said, hey, I want you to be in the garden and I want you to multiply, here's what happened. He said, I want you to tend it and keep it, meaning I want you to protect it and I want you to multiply it. Now, here's the thing. God has so much that he wants to give you, but you're going to have to build the capacity to keep it. So here's what, God is not into lessons, he's into connection. And God gives us the Holy Spirit to keep and to reveal and to teach and coach us up so that we can walk in what we have attained. Don't lose what you've attained. Paul doesn't find himself in a victim mentality. He knows full well what he's attained. Listen, grace, mercy, restoration, forgiveness, salvation. I mean, Paul is incarcerated and God is using him when he was the very one that attacked the church and killed people and he knew what was in him. But then God gave him a calling and God began to heal his eyes and God brought Ananias and, and all of these experiences Paul kept and he began to download those, come on, listen, into other people. Here's my thought. You're gonna have to let me preach for just a couple minutes. Don't lose what God gave you. Hear me. You're gonna have to hold on. And some of you, you are walking in a blessing, come on, listen, that your parents or your grandparents, God gave them revelation. God, because they were growing and maturing, God began to do a work in their life. And because you maybe you didn't know, listen, the connection between what your experience was and their revelation, because the Bible says that we see in part and we know in part, but what God has given to you, you need to understand that the enemy comes to steal, 
kill, come on somebody, and destroy. And he wants to remove the revelations that have set your family free. Some of you are first generation Christians and you are learning and it's harder. But your kids are growing up and guess what your kids are doing? As you're standing up in worship and lifting your hands and tithing and giving and serving and growing and oh. You're not just holding down a chair. Here's what you have to understand. God is so spiritual that when he looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees everything through you. In other words, he knows all of the DNA relationships, kids. He knows when he looks at me, he sees all of the family line. And so he is hoping that I will grow in breaking strongholds and breaking generational curses and grow so that my family, come on, listen, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You're not just going to church. Don't lose what God gave you. Don't let the hard season move you out. Don't let the moment of attack, come on, hold on. Be a Joseph, be a Moses, be a Gideon, be a Peter, be a Ruth. And if you don't know these stories, write them down and go study them because all of these people had hard adversity, but they moved don't be cavalier with your spiritual principles that your grandparents and parents gave you. People drift, but I need you to know, don't fall into love or, or a relationship. Come on, in a dating context, if you're already married, come on, we're gonna pray and work it out. But, but don't, don't date someone just because they got a little type, you know? Oh, you're looking good in those jeans. Don't fall in love with someone who will disregard and devalue what God gave your family. Maturity is the, realizing what you've been given. Value it, keep it, attain it. Don't throw it away because your now flesh is craving um, networking, money, this, that, and the other. Listen, God is doing something in your life. Hold on. Hold on, maybe you grew up in a little crazy church. Don't disregard everything because there was some immaturity. Hold on to the things that God has given you because they're supposed to be in your family. Come on, y'all give him some praise. Here's the last one. Let's, let's read this and I'll give it to you. Philippians chapter 3, 17 through 21. Brothers, join join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who have walked according to the example you have in us for many of whom I have often told you and now even tell you with tears they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ their end is destruction their God is their belly the glory is in their shame and their minds are set come on listen on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies and to be like his glorious body for the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Now, that was a lot. I'm going to break it down to you. Here's the fifth thought of maturity. You have to find examples but keep your faith in Jesus. 
You have to find examples. There are people in our churches that are setting an example and it is okay to learn how to grow as a, in the body by watching other people. But they're not your Jesus. I don't have time to adequately go through this, but I want to talk a little bit before the band comes out. Paul is saying that we all need physical examples. People who inspire our faith and teach us how to pray. I'm full, I fully believe that you learn how to pray deep prayers by listening to people who pray deep prayers. You learn how to walk in authority because you saw someone else walk in authority. You learn how to, how to be a, a, a man of God because you see a man of God. You learn how to have a marriage. Come on, you, The church is full of examples. But in that, there will be people in this church, the church you came from, and the church you will go to next that will hurt you. And if we were all gonna be honest, there are people that used to be an example that fell away. People that you looked up to, a pastor, a leader, come on, a life group leader, come on, a minister, a pro, someone you looked up to that you were like, man, they're it, and then they stumbled. And if that's your context, come on, just real quick, raise your hand. Come on. Look, happens all over. Here's the idea. Every church community deals with this. People who started as an example and they changed. Just like Solomon. He started out, God, give me wisdom. I want whatever you want for me. And he ended up building idols. Here's the deal. Paul says that these type of stories bring him to tears. Like he is crying over these moments. He also tells us not to be shaken when your example falls because your faith is in Jesus. Acts chapter 8. I don't have time. I, I, I got to end this thing up. But um, the church is experiencing great pain. Come on, stay with me. The church is experiencing great pain and supernatural results. Paul is, this is before his conversion, so Saul is attacking the church. The Bible says that he is just ravaging it, okay? And Stephen has just been stoned, and Philip is anointed, and he starts praying, and 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 uh, uh, people are getting healed, and... Um, uh, Spirit, evil spirits are, are leaving people and there's this, in the midst of this great pain, there's this great work of God that is happening. And there's a man that gets saved. His name is Simeon. And he's a magician. And I want you to read this. Acts chapter eight, verse nine. But there was a man named Simeon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. <laughs> y'all, hey, I love me some me, y'all. I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm really, I'm a big deal. And he sees what's happening. And the Bible says, I don't have time, but you can, you can I'm gonna paraphrase some of this. But he gets saved, he gets baptized, 
And he starts following Philip around. And he's starting to learn from Philip. And, and there's a great movement of God that happens. And Peter comes up. And Peter starts uh, ministering the Holy Spirit to all of the young believers. And here's Acts chapter 18, 818. Now when Simeon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of hands of the apostles, he offered them money. Saying, give me this power so that anyone on whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you. Peter's like, we ain't having another Judas up in my I'm just telling you right now. This camp may not be perfect, but we ain't selling nothing for no 30 pieces of silver. Because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Your heart is not right before God. But I'm saved. Your heart is not right before God but I've asked Jesus to come into my life your heart is not right before God but I got baptized your heart is not right before God here's what Peter says repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven. For I see, he begins to prophesy and speak. Look at this. I see that you have a gall of bitterness and a bond of iniquity in you. And Simon begins to pray and answer him and he says, pray for me that nothing that you said would come upon me. Pray, pray for me. And, and here is the concept that I need you to understand. Here's what I need you to understand. Go ahead and get it out for me. Here, look at me. You can be saved. Peter told him to go pray. Peter told him, go get yourself right. There are motives, and listen to me, if we have a church that is always insecure and no one lets you call out anything and no one says, hey man, check yourself before you, come on somebody, wreck yourself. If we don't have any of that, then we are very immature because we only process fleshly. But Paul is actually saying, here's the deal, is that Simeon, I know that God is doing something in your life and there's a work that's happening but there are some motives and there's some things in you that you can't keep some of you guys have adopted the idea that stepping into spiritual maturity should be easy but there are times when you're like oh I'm going, I'm trying to do what God's called me to do. But my anger or my depression or my porn or my, or my jealousy and, and, and what we have thought is, 
Maybe I didn't get saved. Maybe it wasn't real. Maybe whatever. But God is saying, I heal you on the journey. And there's a process to this. And sometimes you need to be in a life group or situations. And someone needs to say, what's going on in you? Because you didn't even know it was there. You're trying to one-up someone in the church. And you're trying to buy something. You're trying, if I serve enough, they'll see me. But... <laughs> I'm not trying to play a game. And you will experience this many times. And you will have to deal with what's in your heart. And you will have to deal with your motive. And you will have to say, God, heal me. Heal me. And then all of a sudden, until the next one, until the next one. And so here's the deal. We are never judging the people that are held back in your own life. Have you ever been held back by something? Come on, come on. Don't criticize people. Don't make people feel small when they walk in. Don't make them feel like, well, you don't have this and you don't have that and you don't have, what are you talking about? People are running and as saints, we're supposed to say, come on, keep running, baby. Let's go, let's go. But fleshly people who only want their own thing, man, you can come out. They will never respond right in that moment. They will be offended. They will reject sound doctrine. They will get mad and they will go somewhere else. And they have now digested the idea that church attendance and years is spiritual maturity. And it is not. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.